You're listening to Find the Good News, Episode 40, The Tulips, featuring Susan Reen. This episode of Find the Good News is sponsored by Parker Brand Creative Services, a branding agency that thinks sideways, pushes forward, and gets your brand up. Check out our work at parkerbrandup.com. It's Unwind Wednesday again, and that means it's time for another episode of Find the Good News. As always, thank you for subscribing, liking, sharing, and most important of all, listening to this podcast. The reach of Find the Good News grows with each episode, but more important than that is the interaction I'm receiving from you, people who are putting their ears on each week to feed your mind, heart, and spirit with news of good people doing good works. Which brings me to my first announcement, the listener hotline. I know you've heard me talk about it before. I want to really be clear about what that hotline is for. It's an opportunity for you to call in to find the good news and have your thoughts heard on the show. If you want to call the hotline and leave a message, comment, question, idea, or concern, really anything at all related to something you've heard on Find the Good News, then you can do that. This show is for you. You don't have to come into the studio to be a part of the conversations we're having on this show. You can find that hotline on my website at findthegood.news. That's findthegood.news. I have the hotline there in several locations, so it should be easy to find. Next week's episode features Megan Abraham, the owner of Fresh Fuel, and in the following weeks, I'll be featuring my conversations with the man behind the mugs, Rex Alexander. After that, I'll be sharing my first road trip episode. I'll tell you more about that in upcoming episodes, but I will say that it was a great experience for me to visit with a guest in an environment that's special to them. There will be some additional media elements coming out with that episode, so keep your ears on. I think that's all I've got for this week. As always, I thank you for listening, and I really do appreciate you showing your support by liking, sharing, and leaving reviews. Those reviews are growing, and the show now has a five-star rating on most of the platforms where it appears. That's all thanks to you. Now, relax, close the hatch, plug in, put your ears on, and let's press play on a little good news. You know the old saying, When life hands you lemons, make lemonade. I was never fond of that saying, to be honest. I've known a lot of people with a surplus of lemons, little strength or help squeezing them, much less sugar to sweeten things up. That said, I've still come to believe it is in the womb of our adversities that our gifts gestate and eventually bloom into virtues that manifest blessings for others. That's exactly the type of tale I got to enjoy when I sat down to visit with Susan Reen on Find the Good News. Susan is the Director of Families Helping Families of Southwest Louisiana, a nonprofit organization and team that puts people with disabilities, their caregivers, and their families in touch with resources they may not have been aware of otherwise. Selfishly, I love to fill my mind and feed my spirit with stories like the one Susan shared. The beauty is not in the story alone, but in the echo and rhyme I sense in it, a set of somewhat common words and tales that reinforce what I hear over and over again on this podcast. I saw a way I could help my fellow beings, and I chose to act. That's really what's at the heart of Susan's story. She had a desperate need, and she did not know where to turn, and a helper arrived. Her story is now the story of families helping families of Southwest Louisiana, a willingness to be a helper for those without one. If you listen to enough volunteers and servants in our community, especially those at Families Helping Families of Southwest Louisiana, you'll hear some version of this story of the able helper. 
I heard this good news clearly when I spoke with Susan Reen, and I believe fully that you will hear it too. Wake up, it's morning, you're dreaming up a story I can hear the way it's going, cause you're laughing in your sleep on the path to your deliverance and a holy wall of light pouring through your window. Old news, bad news, fake news. Sometimes you just want to shut it all down and get no news at all. With Find the Good News, I aim to change that by focusing on good people doing good work. I visit with artists, educators, civic and spiritual leaders, musicians, business owners, students, volunteers, and everyday citizens who are using their creativity, resources, and talents to bring hope and happiness to their corner of the world. In each episode, I dig into the hearts and minds of my extraordinary guests. We have street-level conversations about relatable things going on in their lives, discover the critical life experiences that shape them, the perspectives that drive them, and the fundamental beliefs that are anchoring them to a path of goodness. There's a lot of news in the world. My name is Orrin Parker, and I'm going to find the good. And I love you just. that actually came out this week with Julia O'Carroll. She owns a business called Tea at Walden, and she makes uh, custom pens and journals and then tea, and she does these things called Tea Talks. Oh, cool. And so her whole thing is using a cup of tea as sort of an opportunity to get into a space, you know, where you quiet down the world and, like, pay attention to the aroma and wait for the water to leave. She says for the... um, the water to bring the, the leaves back to life that's the way she worded it oh. so anyway i was like you know that's an easy thing to try to adopt and i thought i'd adopt that with each guest that comes in you know and kind of add it to the show that's a good so, idea i like it so we're doing herbal berry and oolong today i like it me too yeah it's pretty good so i know we were just talking off pod but now we're on pod so okay. we may have to recap a little bit okay. um and you said the proper way to say your last name is reen right Reen, so correct. susan reen yes uh and you're the director of families helping families of southwest louisiana of southwest louisiana so i don't know a lot about families helping families and uh i just know from kind of what i found online and mm-hmm. my own little cyber research i guess and, but i'd like to hear it from you like exactly what Families Helping Families of Southwest Louisiana actually does for the community? Sure. I'm happy to talk about Families Helping Families all the time. We are a resource center, a family-directed resource center for individuals with disabilities and their families. Kind of a one-stop shop where you can go if you have anybody in your family with a disability, if you need information, referral, training on disability issues, or peer support. The unique thing about Families Helping Families and why it's called Families Helping Families is that we all have people in our lives we're caregivers or parents or sometimes people with disabilities ourselves. I have a son who's 31 with a disability. He is... Um, He works, he lives in the community. He was born very, very, very early, 26 weeks. Wow. 31 years ago. Um, had a lot of he was in the hospital for three months he had a lot of complications had some complications later on in life um, had some issues a little bit a few issues in school but we worked through that I found help early on 
And that's what we try to do with other families is we want to make sure that people that have a child with a disability or have a disability themselves know that it's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's something I can't, I think most parents, you just don't think about that when you have a child, right? I mean, right. And I know disabilities come can come later in life sure. too, but I mean, if you're if you make a decision to have a child and you're moving forward with intent, you know, there's always this, we're going to paint the room. We're going to get, you know, we're going to have the baby shower and everything's just going to go. You create a runway and you sure. think the plane's going to land. Right. But sometimes the plane doesn't, it lands, but or it, it just, lands early. It lands early. <laughs> that's a cry. You've we, done everything you can do, but you, you get what you get. And that's the way life goes sometimes. And, and it's kind of a, um, coincidence that you said talk about a plane landing i'm not sure if you ever heard of a poem called welcome to holland no i've never you heard you should it. look it up it's I will. by emily pearl kingsley okay and it talks about people getting ready for a vacation or a trip they get ready for italy they learn italian they pack their bags they take everything that they you know think they need in italy and they're all prepared and the plane lands and they're in holland uh-huh. and they're like what (laughs) how'd we get here um i don't know if i like this but then they look around and they realize that holland's not a bad place sure holland has tulips Uh. it's a little different you have to learn a different language so i've told this to when i did a presentation i feel like families helping families at families helping families we're the tour guides to holland Mm. That's that's to help you figure Holland out, even though you were ready for Italy. Wow, that actually lines up perfectly. We're right on the same page in our thinking. Yeah, so Ooh, I you, think I have chills. You don't, <laughs> you don't always. You can do everything you can do. My wife and I were just having this conversation. I was the other day talking to another guest on the show, and we were kind of talking about um, manifesting things. And I don't think we. Per- probably had the exact same view. And I, I said, well, you know, my perspective of of that is. You, you're a partaker in it. You're involved in it. You build the runway. And that was kind of the plane thing came from that. It's like, so you can build the runway and you can do all the stuff. But what lands on that runway, you're, you're inviting something into your life. Mm-hmm. It may not come. Right. You may not, what lands may not be what. It's kind of like somebody puts a trap out. I've, I've seen this happen. A bunch of people they are like, I've got you know, uh, raccoons or I've got squirrels and they want to put squirrel traps out. So they put all this food out and then they get up the next morning and instead of squirrels, they've got ants. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you, you sometimes you're That's trying to bait plans. something in. Yeah. And so you get something different. So what do you do? You know, what do you do with that when that's what happens? Yeah. And that's what we do at families helping families because we all have experience with disability services. I had experience with Hot, lots of hospital stuff back in the day. I mean, he, Justin was there for three months and uh, then came home with some medical issues, had lots of surgeries. So um, then school issue, school issues and different things like that. So and then we've got specific training. We may not all have degrees. Some of us may have degrees, but we we have specific training from different entities that give us funds. We go to lots of conferences and we get a lot of information um, from the state because families helping families it's all over the state oh, okay there, is it, it's one it's one organization or they're all separate no there's 10 organizations okay. all 501c3 nonprofits they all, we all have our own board of directors we all have similar missions philosophies and services okay but there we're all like we're in Lake Charles but and we serve the five parishes around here there's a center in Lafayette Baton Rouge, two in New Orleans, one in Thibodeau, one in Covington, 
and Ele- then another one in Alexandria. And I have to point Monroe and Shreveport. Okay. So, Do y'all work together though, even though yes. you're separate? Yes, we okay. all work together. We have all the executive directors network. If I need something, like yesterday, we were all several of us were at the Capitol. We are. That was Disability Services Day. Okay. Um, people with developmental dis- disabilities get different different services one of them is called the medicaid waiver Uh and they're gosh it's so complicated anyway we were there to talk to legislators and let them know that the provider of these providers of these services need their rates restored back in another administration um, the rates have been cut since 2008, okay. and they were cut severely. And now people who employ direct service providers that help with guiding care, I don't want to say they just care for people with developmental disabilities, but they have a very low wage. Oh. So we were talking to legislators about restoring some of the rates so that they could get a better wage, and people with ki- people with kids individuals with disabilities can get better services and get services because without the rate increase the services are not able to be provided because if you can go to walmart and make eleven dollars an hour and you're only making eight dollars an hour to take care of someone with a disability or help them mm-hmm. with their life yeah you might and you can't make that many hours you might choose walmart yeah rather than something like that sure because you're you're you know most of us work i mean i would say almost all of us especially people who have dependents you're working for the dependents more than you're working for yourself i mean you know so yeah you're gonna have to do you have to make a living wage yeah sure anyway i I said all that to say we were all at the cap several of us were at the capitol we were networking we all several of us had our staff there the uh people that we work with that help families and it was a great day to be out at the capitol there's lots of people end of the year lots of kids running around school trips yeah so but yeah yeah, we all work together for common cause okay well that's cool so y'all have this unity when you need it and you can go off and be effective in the very particular ways that your community that you're set in needs exactly isn't that beautiful it's it's amazing I remember, I'm going to go back a few years. No, please do. I've been, <laughs> take me all the way back. That's where I like to I'll go. Take you all the way all back. The way back. <laughs> 1960. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'll go there. <laughs> um, back in when after Justin was born, um, I was just getting into, he got early intervention services. He was a baby, and they knew he was going to have some issues because he had some issues. He had a brain bleed, different things that caused oh, you yes. to have disabilities. Yeah, he's done extremely well considering a lot of all the things that he had issues with. Anyway, long story short, if I could do that, oh well, um, don't 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 feel like you have to edit on here. <laughs> this this is formats okay. open ended. There's no okay, time awesome. frame, so yeah, you go uh, for it. Okay, awesome. Um, anyway, I was at a conference and there was this lady. Her name was Diane. Hazelwood. She's my one of my mentors from the past. And I met her and she talked about a place. I had been working with the local early intervention place. Um, Skylark was the name. And okay. we had a parent support group because I was lucky enough to be supported when Justin was in the hospital. I had never seen a baby that as small as he was. He weighed two pounds, two ounces, and he was 13 inches long. Oh, my goodness. He had see-through skin. He was on a ventilator for seven weeks. He had all these medical issues. And I'm a little obsessive sometimes. They gave me this book called The Premature Baby Book. Mm -hmm. It was about an inch and a half thick. 
I read it the first night. They had to give me drugs to make me go to sleep. Because so, your mind couldn't, it was just, I couldn't yeah, stop. Totally I couldn't consumed. Stop. I well, was consumed with it, of course. Yeah. Because I hadn't even seen him yet, really. They had just wheeled me by the NICU, the NICU, and I had seen him through the window because I hadn't gotten up yet. <sighs> anyway, they realized... Our, the neonatologist back then, Dr. Lynn, he was, he's a wonderful, I don't know that he's still in practice, realized that I needed some support. And in, after about a week or two, and I, you go to the hospital and you visit two or three times a day. You know, yeah. you sit outside the isolate, the little thing that the kids, babies are in. And anyway, stressful, real stressful. And yeah. he saw that I was a little... I needed support. So he actually got the nurse practitioner back, th- back then, her name was Vicki, to call another parent that had had a child with a disability, the same issues as Justin. And they, she hooked me up on the phone in the NICU waiting area. And her name is Kay. And I w- she was my support person throughout maybe the first three years of Justin's life. So I knew how important support was. Yeah. And when I met Diane that day at the conference, it was at McNeese. And we were at a, I don't even remember what the conference it was related to parents, parenting kids with disabilities. And she told me, she says, we're about to open a place or start a, a, a nonprofit. And it's going to be run by parents. It's going to be for parents. And we're going to be the people that are going to help guide the services. And I looked at her, and I'm a little skeptical sometimes. And I said, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, but if it does, call me. See, I'll pause you. Why didn't you think it was going to happen? Back then, it was the very beginning of, well, it was kind of sort of the beginning of the parent movement. I'm not familiar. Parent movement for kids with disabilities. Okay. We were sometimes seen as being complaining parents that might talk about doctors and say don't go to him go to him huh. or that teacher doesn't work does doesn't do well so i don't like her so let's move Man, over here it sounds like today with <laughs> social media it really does well, it's yeah. very, what you're saying is what happens online. and sometimes that does happen this, a lot this and classroom to, this teacher don't make sure you request this one doc because this other one yeah right yeah, and, yeah. and sometimes people have valid concerns sure but, it but does it's sound never very similar. a good idea to Burn all your bridges. Mm. <laughs> so we work a lot on that at Families Helping Families. Work on collaborating because, unfortunately, and I'm getting off into the weeds, kind of, people, when they when a parent might call us, they have had a bad experience or they're having some issues. So they're already upset. Yeah. And then they get to us and we tell them, well, that sounds like it's not exactly supposed to happen like that. Let me help you figure it out. And they might still be angry. Yeah. So we like to try to get to families on the front end so we can teach them the rules. I always tell people you can't play Monopoly unless you know the rules. Hmm. So we try to teach you the rules, help you figure out how to do it yourself. We don't do it for you. Okay. So y'all are a resource for guidance and information, right? Correct. Correct. You're not actually doing the thing, though. No, we're not case managers. We're not counselors. We, We provide support, information, and training. Um, and I lost my train of thought. Where no, that? that's oh. okay. Well, yeah, the conference. Conference, where you said- yeah. Anyway, Diane and I parted ways. I heard about a job. Um, I was working at the early intervention. They had hired me because they saw that I had, they, they needed a parent support person. And okay. they had hired me because they saw that I had a, a passion for helping other families. So okay. I was working there and, and I was having a good time part time. 
I heard about another job. Um, gosh, I can't even remember the name of that position. I think it was a Part C parent advocate or parent facilitator or something. Interviewed for the job, got the job, found out that the job was going to be housed under families, helping families that had just opened. Like, they got their 501c3 like the day before I started. Or maybe wow. the day after, yeah. So we had this one little bitty room, smaller, like, I don't know, sizes, but that the Office of Public Health out on Chenault, the, the uh, administrative offices, donated to let us have. Okay. We had one phone <laughs> that we that two of us shared. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ground floor stuff. Yeah, right. Your you beginning. Know, yes. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, I was, but I was so excited to be able to help other families. Yeah. And how fast did that? How fast was that traction? Like, okay, we're we're doing this, and then when does this begin? Like, as far as you start seeing families and interacting with them, I started like the first thing that I did that was it was kind of baptized baptism by fire. We went to New Orleans to a big conference. Dr. Ken Moses, he is a psychologist that does a lot of work around. States of grief rather than stages of grief. Mm, okay, because you know when you have a child with a disability. Or a child that's different. Yeah. You go through some of the same things that you do I in the grieving proce- yeah, process. Sure. So I got three days of Ken Moses, and it was awesome. Um, and then we started seeing, I started working with families and just, you know, kind of pulling together, try to support groups, different opportunities right after that. We were at the Office of Public Health. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember. This is 27 years ago or, or longer. We were there for, oops, I keep doing that. We were there for, <laughs> sorry. Okay. Um, we were there probably a year, I think, and then we moved into another place on Stanton Street, shared with another nonprofit. Okay. For a couple of years. And then we we had a very forward-thinking board. Diane was the executive director. I worked different programs. Okay. I worked the early intervention program um, and a couple of other ones. And um, education. And we had a very forward-thinking board, and they purchased a building on an old house where okay. we're at now. Oh, okay. Twenty nine, twenty seven Hodges. So you are in the same location. Yes, since ninety okay. six. Okay, wow. Yeah, so four years after we yeah. got our own place, which is pretty big. Yeah. For a nonprofit, a, a young nonprofit. Yeah. So, um, and we've been there since, and we've grown. We've added. We were lucky enough to have a large donation in 2008, um, and we were able to add on 1,500 square feet, and then we renovated the front part. So we have a conference room, several, uh, I can't think how many offices now, seven offices, a uh, library room, uh, foyer, greeting area, kitchen. It's a really nice, welcoming environment where we hope that when people come in, they're, you know, welcomed and th- so we can help them. Yeah. You know, because you want to feel relaxed and um, comfortable. Right. So what's the first move for somebody? I guess what I, I mean, rephrase that. How are you connecting with people who need you? Is it is it a... A dissemination of information where y'all are making sure that all the doctors and caregivers and any of the varieties of people in those types of uh, industries know about you? Is that really we it? We do they go, that. Hey, you know, That's this is- part of what we do. We do a lot of outreach. We have several. We have different staff members that for the programs that they work under have to do outreach. So we bring that information to the hospitals, the social workers, clinics, pediatric clinics, and physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, any place that 
you know, parents, people with disabilities might visit. Mm-hmm. So we get that information out. Unfortunately, people don't, that doesn't always trickle down to people. Sure. So we use social media a whole lot. We have a Facebook, uh, Twitter. I'm not so good. I'm not as good at Twitter. And an Instagram page that we push a lot of information on, we, uh, out through. We have a website. Um, we do get a lot of requests from, some requests from our website. People just email us. Yeah. You can call. You can walk in. We have lots of training opportunities um, around disability issues. Really? Yeah. So for parents um, or caregivers? Yeah, parents, caregivers, and professionals. We have a lot of professionals. We have teachers that come to our workshops. We Is have that case free managers. to them? To... Yeah, it's all free. Wow. No cost. I guess... And, and I'm, you have to forgive me my ignorance. I it's have okay. to say sometimes my ignorance is what makes this show interesting because I have a lot of questions. Good. Where are the fences of what is considered a disability? Mm. We don't believe in fences. Okay. ADHD, dyslexia, learning disability, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy. My son has mild cerebral palsy. He has mm-hmm. a learning disability. He has a, a, a hydrocephalus from birth yeah i think it's kind of resolved now he hasn't had any issues um any type of disability i mean behavior issues mental health concerns lots of kids autism oh yeah yeah um i mean you know we have a lot of resources for autism here so we do point people in that direction but we do help people with autism to help figure out the systems how things work yeah that's sometimes a a lot of the issues that we see, the concerns with p- parents and family members that come in is they don't really understand how things work well, or no. should work. And then when a disability arises, I mean, I have somebody in my life that I consider disabled. I really do because they weren't. And because of a medical condition, post, mm-hmm. post procedures, everything has changed. And the whole quality of life has changed. Ability to do just about anything has just diminished and but they're not considered disabled right mm-hmm. like on paper mm-hmm. like with a rubber stamp you're disabled and so you know i've had that thought of i'm glad we're talking because i mean as i'm driving around and just meditating on this person i go what can i do i mean you, you as, as a as a person that's in their life you start to think well i have to do every you got to start doing it you got to do it you got to do it and then i go man i don't even know where to begin is that's that a situation kind of where, where I would approach someone like families, sure. helping families, and go, sure. "Hey, we can tell I've you. got a family member, and I, they're not on paper; they're not disabled, but they're disabled." And tell us what you're looking for, oh, or just okay. call us, and we'll talk to you and help and you that's figure what out you're what there you might for. be looking for. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. I, I am like people don't a know what questions for, to ask. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think there's probably more people than that, that are out there. Oh yeah. Just driving around that are don't know caregiving or what have you maybe not officially with the title that you'd say but they're doing the stuff and they have somebody in their life like that they don't know so they go they go just i don't know what to do and they start getting on the internet and sort of go down all these rabbit holes and yeah and there's things on the internet that can help we can point you to that i mean there's things there's there may not be a specific place or program for the type of disability but we can kind of help you figure out what's out there so you can at least look around and know know what to ask because a lot of times unfortunately if you don't know what to ask you might call a place and say hey do you do this and they say "Uh uh-uh right but if you say hey this is what i'm dealing with is this something that you can help me with they might say yeah you so we help families not only know where to go what to ask when they get there, how things work.
and I'm happy. I know it. If you're like me, then you've got a long wish list of things you need to do around your house, things you just can't get to. It's not that I don't want to do them, but between my responsibilities at work, producing this show, and squeezing in some valuable mental downtime, I can't seem to get around to fixing the small stuff, and the big stuff is just waiting in line. To be honest, it kind of stresses me out. Maybe you're stressing out too. Well, stress no more because I've got good news. My friend Ben Von Duke has started a handyman service and he takes the mystery out of getting these things done. Ben Von Duke is not just some guy that calls himself handy. He knows what he's doing and he knows a whole lot. Not only is he an experienced and professional carpenter, but he's kind of a duke of all trades. What I love is that he's created an a la carte price list of services so you don't have to worry about getting in your pockets too deep before you're ready. He'll fix your running toilet, install appliances, replace fixtures, install ceiling fans, repair sheetrock and concrete, and a whole lot more than that. Look, I'm not too proud to say this, but sometimes it takes me three times as long to fix something because I've got to get online and search videos just to figure out what tools I need. Then I have to go buy the tools that I don't have and then kind of sort of come home and do the job. I don't have to do that anymore because Ben Von Duke will do it and do it better. On top of all that, he's just a good person, someone you can trust. He's honest, he's kind, and those are things that I value highly, and I bet you do too. You can get a hold of Ben Von Duke, the Duke of all trades, the good old-fashioned way, by using the phone. Call or text Ben at 337-540-1355. That's 337-540-1355. One three five five. He'll send you his service and price list, and trust me, his prices are more than fair. And do me a favor: when you do message Ben at three three seven five four zero one three five five, tell him you heard about the Duke of All Trades on Find the Good News. What a blessing that is! You're talking about something right there that I think is uh, sorely lacking in yes. our world, and I'd like to see it bloom again. Because that happens here a lot. I mean, granted, we're just we're a creative agency, marketing and advertising and branding. But there are times when we get calls and there's either there's things that we may not do or things that we don't want to do. But I don't think and I don't know my customers or anybody that's ever talked to me on the phone would have to answer this. But I don't ever take the approach of, no, we don't do that. Bye. We don't do that either. No. I try to go, well, look, I do have some knowledge of the thing. I may not do the thing, but I know enough about it. And I may have a vendor I can point you to, or at least give, I've spent, and again, I'm not trying to like go, oh, pat myself on the back. It's just the reality of being helpful. Just taking an attitude of helpfulness. That's right. You know, and I want to to see more of that in the world, you know, because I do see in some interactions professionally where you, you ask a question and someone goes, the answer is just no. And it's very dry and very cold. And like, you know, how much more energy does it take to just be a little helpful? It doesn't shouldn't deplete you. It should lift you as the helper. Really hard not to do that. A lot of times we can't find help for people because it's not out there. Unfortunately, we don't have funds to pay rent, utilities, or anything like that. But sometimes that family might have a service that they don't know does something like that. Right. So we can say, hey. What kind of disability do you have? Are you getting any services? Or maybe we can hook them up with the service and maybe the next time they need help, they could help. Do you ever run and encounter a situation where somebody contacts you and they say, look, 
I know this sounds, and again, I have it's to plead right, ignorance. I don't know we the do. right words, but no, to say, I'll, I'll help you. Hey, I think I'm disabled because I had this. Yes. I, I, I got in an accident and now whatever. I don't, my, my left arm doesn't work. I'm just making this up. But, right. And now I've got problems and I'm, I can't do what I used to do. But I'm, I think I'm disabled, but I'm not officially labeled disabled, so I can't get any resources. Yeah. Do y'all have, and what do you do in that situation? You point them towards? You might point them towards their doctor for a diagnosis. Mm. You might point them towards the Social Security Administration to apply for services if okay. that's where they are. You might point them towards Louisiana Rehabilitation Services, where they may help them because they have a disability find another career Mm. um, that they can do. Yeah. Um, There's just lots of different places, you know. When to, you, that that you could point them in that direction, and that gets them moving on that path to where they're like, okay, I'm not just I don't have to suffer out here all alone with no resources. Right. There are things out there for right. me. Right, because what we do is enable and empower people with disabilities. Mm. Like I said earlier, we don't do it for you. We're going to give you the information. Yeah. we're going to set you on your way, and we're going to tell you how to do it. And then we're going to call you. My my office mate says, and if people tell you something you don't understand, or sometimes she says something stupid. <laughs> Call us back. We'll help you figure it out. You know, because a lot of times there's overwhelming amount of information oh, you sure. can give somebody and you yeah. can overwhelm them. So what we try to do is give you enough to get started and then say, okay, call me back after you do this and we're going to work you through it. Right. Or come in, bring your stuff. Let's look at it and see what you got. And we'll go from there. Yeah. No, I get that. I mean, I, I think that's probably anybody who's trying to help somebody you can almost overhelp at some point uh, yeah. at, at, on the front and, end. And when you have a child with a disability and you've been where we've been, or if you have a disability yourself, you really want to say, oh gosh, you need to go here and here and here and do this and this and this and this. So you kind of got to rein yourself in and say, okay, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> Call us back. Let's do this. And then let's go into the next step. Something that we were talking about off pod at the beginning. And I want to kind of circle back to, which I was really fascinated by. And, and maybe, maybe we can go off into the weeds wherever we want on that (laughs) is this uh what you said about people with disabilities um really shouldn't be separated from us they shouldn't be put in separate classrooms they shouldn't be placed in separate programs uh separate jobs and isolated from people without disabilities correct we believe in inclusion for everyone anybody with any type of disability that's the what we were founded on there's a there's an act that the legislature, it's called Act 378, and I'm going to, I don't have any props to remember dates or anything. It was back in the end of the 80s. And it basically said people with disabilities, even the most severe disabilities, should be able to have the opportunity to live, work, and thrive and do whatever they need to do in their own community and they didn't don't shouldn't be in institutions mm. because back in the 80s even the 90s and even sometimes now they have people that live in what we call institutions other people call them nicer names mm-hmm. but i believe in calling a duck a duck mm-hmm. um <laughs> so <laughs> things are what they me. are um they in the in the 50s i mean i don't know if you know anything about um, you may not know anything about special education or disability law, I don't but know back lot, in the no, 50s and the 60s and the 70s even, I think Geraldo Rivera, I don't know if you've ever seen that expose he did on the institutions. I haven't. I mean, they had children, and it makes me 
I can't hardly talk about it, living in squalor, in rooms with nobody ever talking to them without clothes. It, with, all these kids had disabilities. Yeah. And their parents had been told, as parents were told back in the day, they have Down syndrome. They have a cognitive disability. They called it other things back in the day. I don't really say those things. We prefer cognitive disability. Some people still say mental retardation. We don't say those those type of words. I know it's a descriptor, but I don't right. I don't like that well, word. Well, why not just use something a kinder way of saying something? I mean, yeah. you know, if you can, why That's not? Right. That's right. I mean, how hard is it? Doctors and right and and they I'm not slamming doctors at all would tell you you this is going to ruin your marriage. You're, they're never going to be able to do anything. There's a place over here for them. God, what you just described sounds like the the just the early seeds of just well not how I many it goes back as far as humans have been on earth but the self like that that appeals to the self and the, the desire to have comfort for the self right you know it's like well, it's gonna, this be, is gonna too be hard, too hard on you i mean you're That's not right. gonna be able to have a normal career it's gonna take a lot of time they can't you're not gonna yeah be they thinking. can't go to school yeah. because back then i mean everybody's seen forrest gump we all remember that, that the principal didn't want to take Forrest because his IQ was too low. Mm. That's a real thing. Mm. Now there's laws that have been passed. Uh, Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. Before that, it was called the Education for All Handicapped Act. I could go way back. Um, that says that kids with disabilities need to be in school with everybody else and educated alongside their typically developing peers. Mm, Period. I mean, it does make sense. Yeah. And and there's laws that have been enacted for people with disabilities to have jobs. And um, those are all the things that we believe are right and good. Yeah. I mean, even the most significant disability, uh, cognitive disability, using uh, assistive technology, wheelchairs. Um, I saw one of my friends yesterday, Lynette um, Doge, I believe, Fontenot is her last name now. Um, and she uses a wheelchair and she, it's a motorized chair and she, she doesn't have, she has, I believe, cerebral palsy and she moves it with her eyes and an iPad. Wow. That's how she drives. That's how she doesn't speak well. She can nod and say yes and, and shake her head no. But if you want to talk to her, she talks through her speech device. Mm-hmm. Extremely smart girl, an artist. She graduated from college. I mean, her body just has some issues and can't do things but her mind can do it do you think we're getting better or worse in that regard as as just a collective creature you know <laughs> are, are we getting better and being more compassionate and, and accepting and trying to make sure that everybody's included do you think that's i think we've gotten much better than when we first started i think as with anything there's a pendulum yeah and sometimes it swings one way and back and goes back and we have to fight to get it to go back yeah the that's the direction. word right there right sometimes it is a fight right yeah unfortunately you, i hate to i don't like to focus on that me either really but, but i think about that a lot but it is and we try to train other families to be assertive rather than aggressive yeah and but sometimes you just need somebody to talk to and you can and that you can say hey this is a fight and i'm tired yeah and i can't do it anymore and can you can you help me yeah and that's what we do yeah i mean we know the fight we know the struggle yeah. but we know the joys right <laughs> so i mean we can give you all that 
Yeah, I, I think I'm a lot like you. I don't, I don't like the fight. I don't like the aggression. I don't like any of those things, and I don't want those things. I've had enough of it. I think, mm-hmm. you know, all the things in life that you that I've had to fight for, had to say something about, or be aggressive about, and you know, I'm at a point where I just go, you know, there's plenty of that. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of that going on, just on, on, over things that are valueless. Why do I want to have that in me? But every once in a while, there is something where it's like, okay, to to do for another or to protect another's integrity or their livelihood or, or to their well being. Sure get a job when they grow up. Yeah, Orin, yeah. I mean, you got to fight for it. <clears throat> yeah, you do. You don't have a choice. These are our kids. Yeah. <laughs> if if not me, then who? Right. Who's going to do it? No one else is going to do yeah, it. Yeah, isn't that something though? That's the, that's mm-hmm. the thing. So I, I always ask this of people who come on the show, and you kind of you've told where the roots are of this for you. But does it go back further than that for you? Like, I mean, I know that you can where you're at today is directly tied to your son. There's no doubt about oh. it, right? I yeah. mean, you draw that line there. That's yeah. a, that's an easy straight line oh, to yeah. that. Oh yeah. But like, do you ever reflect beyond before that sort of um, event horizon right there and go, you know, some of the seeds of, of who I, of this go back oh, before yeah. that? I was always the one in school who was, I was picked on a lot. Yeah. I was always different. How but so? I, I was always bigger than everyone else. You know, uh, I talked about this the other day to somebody and it's not a problem. I've always been overweight my whole life. Back in the 60s and the 70s, I was always the only little fat girl. Huh. And so I got teased a lot. Middle school was horrible. Oh, but, you know, I lived through it. Sure. Um, you do. And yeah. But it's now, it's I could get away. I could go home to my safe space back then, to yeah. my room and read, or to my mom and everybody, who, my brothers and sis- brother and sister you. who love me, and they didn't pick on me. Yeah. And But now you can't get away from it. It's yeah. on the phone. It's on social media. It's everywhere. Well, the wet, yeah, like right there, there's yeah. are leaks. It is interesting. And my son went through that. Junior high was terrible. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of reasons, and yeah, kids were so cruel. Yeah. And it was the same thing. You just described his life. He go to school. It was torment. And then when he come home, he was around everybody who loved him. Mm-hmm. You know, and we all loved him and elevated him, but. Mm-hmm. And I just, man, sometimes I reflect on kids that don't have that at all. They don't right. have either. They go to school and they're tormented and then they go home and there's nobody there elevating to try to counterbalance what they're receiving from their peers, you know, at school. I was always a kid that I tried to stick up for the underdog, the yeah. ones that other people picked on because I knew how it felt to be picked on. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of roots as a kid. Man, I got to be honest. And I... I I don't know. Sometimes this microphone turns into this confessional, but I was the same way for a long, long time. But there was uh, there have been a handful of times when I was in high school where I didn't stick up for the underdog and I kind of maybe didn't pick on somebody, but I didn't say anything either. And that really ate at me, man. Like those I can I can think of them still like those handful Mm -hmm. of times where I didn't stand up right and just go even if it was somebody a a friend group that was doing it probably would have been safer for me to go guys don't do this but i didn't do it and i just let it go on but i know i remember i guess it was after high school sometime in the 90s i I, there was this one particular young man that 
just he was a target and everybody picked on him even my friend group did and i remember we were at subway and he was getting a sandwich and when he went to go outside i just went outside and just asked if i could apologize to him and i just sat there and just i cried man and and he he held me hugged me and let me cry and i i was so thankful for his forgiveness honestly because i mean i've said the words but i think sometimes not doing anything is just as bad that's right it really is and i've and that stuck with me ever since and i i don't I, would, I swore I'd never do it again. I would never, not only would I not be a part of it, which I, I really have never really been, but I wouldn't stand there anymore. I'm just not going to do it. And right. that, that was 20 something years ago, but it was a big moment. It was a big changer for me. That's awesome. And then to be, honestly, he didn't have to forgive me. He could have said, you didn't do anything. Could have just been and gave it right back to me, and I would have deserved it, you know. Yeah. But he didn't, and I think probably, you know. Now, in retrospect, I mean, all these years later, I I feel like I've learned so much that I think I didn't even then in that moment. It's only now that I can reflect on that and go, this guy gave me the gift of compassion that I did not give him, and I did not deserve, and he gave it to me anyway. And what if he hadn't, you know? I mean, I don't know. That's just something in there for me. that I just can't forget that. Yeah. I think you're going to find that more often than not because we know how it feels. Yeah. To have to forgive ourselves. Yeah. And he gave you that forgiveness. Right. And that's a hard thing. Yeah. To, it's hard to ask for forgiveness. Yeah, it's Like it real forgiveness. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard to give it sometimes, too. I don't know. I, I get hung up on that. That's something I, uh, I, I reflect on that all the time. What... Where you know we said fences earlier, and there are mm-hmm. no fences, and I, I, I hope that what, with whatever time I have left, and I don't know how much that is, but I mean I hope that I'm moving the fence of where I can forgive, you know, and I hope to get into a place where I can be really <laughs> find that there is no offense anymore, right? To be unoffendable, yeah. you know, at some point in my life, I don't know if that'll ever come, but I, I'd like to think that. But yeah, I mean, I, so that's where I see the seeds of that. So you you start that even mm-hmm. starts there, working for the underdog yeah. and the the oppressed and somebody that's maybe on the outside. Just compassion, having compassion for other people and seeing, because you've been, I guess, because of, you know, the, the things that I went through, I can understand. Yeah, mm. isn't it interesting how being picked on as a child can do that to you? I mean, it is incre- It's an incredible gift. At the time, it does not feel like a gift. No, I, I used to tell my son that all the time. <laughs> yeah, that was something we talked about at least three times a week out in the parking lot at school before school. I was like, someday, if you can survive this without letting it just make you bitter, someday you're going to have something you can tap into that the, that the tormentor right. does not have. That's right. It and gets it's, better. And it's going to be like a fuel. That drives you to do and to be and, and I've seen that in my son um, and I'm sure he'll change as he gets older but I've seen that happen now that he's um, in high school you know I'm like wow look he is almost always on the side of the underdog and the oppressed almost 100% of the time and he's very vocal about it and he's not afraid and I'm like look at what happened 
you know. Yeah, that's awesome not to be afraid because sometimes you have to speak out even though your voice is shaking. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. that's the hardest thing, right? That is right? the hardest thing. Uh, does yeah. that ever happen in y'all's line of work? I mean, do y'all ever, is there any times where you just go, hey, this is, this is going to be uncomfortable and difficult? Sure. Yeah. Especially when you're working with families and maybe working with uh, teachers and different professionals that you work with all the time. It might be a little uncomfortable to say, hey, they're right. You're not right. This is where, this is what we need to do. Yeah. You know, so that's just something that you have to work through. Yeah. Well, has there ever, I mean, I know privacy, respecting privacy fully. Is there ever, is there anything that in this time that you've worked with families, helping families that have just been sort of what I call hinge moments where you go, oh, this solidified our mission, um, this action we took made a huge difference and, and things changed because of it? I think when families come to us and they send us a graduation picture. Man, yeah. Or someone is working. You see them in the, you see them in the store and they have a job and you know where they came from and what struggles they had to get there. Yeah. I mean, that's always exciting for us. Yeah. We have people that's, I mean, you know, graduation from kindergarten sometimes is a success. Uh, just celebrating those successes. And sometimes, you know, one of the big things for me, and I don't get to do it as much because as the director, I'm making sure everybody's doing what they're doing and, and making sure the bills get paid and the grants get written and the, the invoices get out and different things like that. Um, is when you see the light bulb go off in somebody's mind, when you mm. tell them something that, you know, it's it's going to be okay. It's not, are you telling them about someone, hey, I know this guy, this, this, this family and their child is similar to yours and he's working at Albertsons. My son works at Albertsons. Okay. And he's got a job and he's living, he and my son's living on his own. I, yeah, you're I not. Mean, he, he's very capable. He needs a little bit of help. But there was a time in his tw- early 20s that I didn't think that was ever going to happen. But it did. And it does every day. And I do my very best to support him to make sure that he stays out there. Yeah. I think, you know, that's something that as a parent you want, right? Especially if your child has had any kind of difficulties. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've we've kind of had similar things with my daughter. You know, she's had difficulties. And, uh, you know, I am watching her now do things on her own. I mean, yeah, granted, sometimes she does need some assistance mm-hmm. and support. I mean, that's what I, you and I, and I want that as a parent. Yeah. That's part of my job. But seeing that, seeing her... Um, I used to think, oh, I don't hear from her for a week or two, you know, and that used to terrify me. Mm-hmm. And now I've, I've kind of flipped. I go, when I don't, that means I used to okay. it used to scare me years ago. Now, now it's she's OK. She's mm-hmm. actually OK. These are signs of what you're what you wanted. Right. Yeah, you, you want them to be OK, because that's what you tell everybody. What You want your child to grow up, and be a citizen, live in the community and be happy. That's what you want your kids to be is happy ultimately. Yeah, and grandkids are nice too. Though. Yeah, <laughs> and you have grandkids. I have three grandkids. Three grandkids. Yeah. Right. Nineteen, seventeen, gonna be eighteen in December. She told me two days ago. Oh my god. And gosh. a fourteen-year-old. Wow, that's wild. See, my son is sixteen. Well, he'll be sixteen this summer. My oldest will be twenty-one. Mm-hmm. So my my children are. <laughs> 
I know. I'm an old lady. <laughs> it's okay, though. No, I mean, you know, I can't even imagine having grandkids. My daughter doesn't seem like it's she's on that track. It's the best thing ever. Is it? It's your uh, prize for not killing your teenager. <laughs> <laughs> Because your grandkids think you're awesome most of the time. Yeah. Mine thought I was the best thing in the world when they were little, and they still do sometimes. Oh, man. I don't know when or if I'll have them. My daughter just isn't on that track. I mean, and I'm... You never know. I don't know. I mean, maybe. And my son, you know, he's Maybe 15, adopted so. grandkids, you know? Yeah. You never uh-huh. know. And our youngest, he's eight, so... Oh, wow. Yeah. You have a big age gap. Yeah, I do. I did I, the uh, same thing seven years between my kids. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. See, I was... I um, My first two children were from a previous marriage gotcha. and then uh got divorced and then michelle and i met and we were together for six years i think before we six or seven years before we got married and then we got married and i honestly thought i was done having children mm-hmm. and then Surprise. michelle was like no i want to have one and i was like oh boy and i think i always tell this story and i say it with a smile lovingly i was like oh it's been so long since i had one and jonah i remember because he had just learned to tie his shoes and in my mind i had these like mental like unwritten checklists of things that i don't have to do anymore right <laughs> it's like a diaper. change a diaper <laughs> wipe their butts in the bathroom okay they're, they're <laughs> you know what i mean yeah it's like, okay, i got gotcha. you you get through all that and they're, they're doing all the stuff they're dressing themselves and it's like tying shoes was like that last little tricky thing and Jonah had just like finished <laughs> and then Michelle had said I want to have another I want to have a baby you know us have a baby and I remember <laughs> I remember a little bit of anxiety like on oh, all of a sudden I went through the checklist like I gotta <laughs> do the late nights the bottles the diapers the I was just going through yeah. the list and I was like okay all right <laughs> You know, you went and through we, that pretty fast. We did, we did, and it was really, and it's been a blessing. I wouldn't change it, but I do, I do remember that that gap kind of created mm-hmm. a little bit of like, whoo, I don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, surprise. <laughs> yeah. You're always ready. You oh can yeah, get ready. I feel like that now. I mean, honestly, if I found out I was having a baby now, I'd, I'd be, I wouldn't sweat it. Yeah. You know, because. I think being a parent comes really naturally once you've done it a few times. It's old hat. There you go. You know, and it's a great blessing too. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever uh, is going on with your children. Right. Right. And that's what we hope to help families. You know, remember that it, it that is a good it is a blessing having kids to be able to raise and no matter what their abilities are. Yeah, I, I remember the I didn't have a lot of experience i guess as a young person being around anybody with a, a disability or what would be considered really like a good. common disability but I, when, when i was i guess 18 17 or 18 years old i uh i used to like to draw comic book characters and there was a guy that i met at a, a video store one of my dad's video stores and he liked to draw too and he was in a wheelchair and uh so and we were close in age we weren't exactly the same age but i do remember him being the first friend i'd ever had who that was a a, a permanent disability you know he was going to be in a chair for the rest of his life and had been since he was a young boy and you know i learned a lot from that friendship about myself and about uh people with disabilities because what i learned and i again i may be wrong i plead ignorance but what i reflect on sometimes about that relationship is that and what I learned is that people with disabilities don't get up in the morning and go, 
I'm disabled. <laughs> right? right? Because sometimes as a person, when you don't have anybody in your life that has a disability of any kind, you can tend to like project that. Like, like um, and God, I hate this. I'm so ashamed, but I'm just going to put it on the table. Like even when I was a kid, there was a guy who used to wash the windows at my dad's video store. And he had, I remember there was something wrong with his leg. It was like, and I don't know what it was, but it was like... Uh, thin mm-hmm. there was no muscle on mm-hmm. the leg and he, and he limped everywhere and i remember and this is so god so ignorant of me but i guess i was just young yeah. i equated that with him not having everything um all of his faculties about him mm-hmm. i never spoke to the man but there was this assumption like and i thought man as i got older i went how foolish and why does that happen why do we assume that there's a physical uh Right. Ailment equates to equals to something being wrong with them as a person. Or that in their somebody mind. in a wheelchair can't hear. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, it's true. You have to talk louder. Exactly. Yeah. It's interesting, and I don't know where that comes from or why we're wired the way, but it seems pretty common. I mean, mm-hmm. you see it all the time. It's like a stereotype. Yeah, and we try to break down those stereotypes. And yeah. I think it comes with education, Orin. I think you just didn't know. And I'm happy. You're driving down the road. Everything is going just fine. You're listening to the new episode of Find the Good News in Your Car, and you're all stoked about trying out this zipper merge thing you've been hearing about when all of a sudden you hear that sickening tap on your windshield that's just a little too loud. I've got some bad news for you. You've just got yourself a rock chip. Unfortunately, I've got some worse news. If you don't take care of that rock chip, it's going to turn into a crack. But I do have some good news too. You don't have to have a rock chip or a crack because I've got a way for you to take care of it ASAP. If you go to asapglassco.com right now, you can stop that chip from winding across your windshield like the Calcasieu River. I used to be terrible about getting a rock chip, saying I'll take care of that later, and then later turns into this irritating crack that just spreads from one side of my windshield to the other. I should have taken care of it ASAP by scheduling a repair with ASAP Glass. ASAP Glass is local, right here in Sulphur, Louisiana, and they're mobile. Even better, you can get a quote right from your mobile phone at ASAPGlassCo.com. ASAP Glass is owned and operated by two of my best friends, lifelong friends, Dan and Kayla Smith. Dan the Glassman will make sure his team of glass technicians gets to your job ASAP and make sure it's done right so you can keep that windshield crack out of sight. If you do get that rock chip and you don't take care of it ASAP, that's okay. ASAP Glass does complete windshield replacements. Remember, ASAP Glass is mobile, so you don't have to worry about finding time to drop your vehicle off at their shop. You get your quote at ASAPGlassCo.com. Make your appointment with Kayla, and then before long, an ASAP Glass van is on its way to your location. That's it. I know you're probably looking at a rock chip right now. Don't wait. Take care of it ASAP. Go to ASAPGlassCo.com on your mobile device and get a quote. That's ASAPGlassCO.com. And make sure to tell Dan and Kayla you heard about ASAP Glass on Find the Good News. You know, my grandkids have always been around people with disabilities because they've grown up around here and around me and seeing other people with disabilities so they kind of have an idea oh yeah he has down syndrome okay yeah and you know what else i learned it was interesting and again i can only speak for myself but as a young person 
once that friendship sort of began to flourish and became more um, regular in my life with my friend in the wheelchair, that uh, the 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 wheelchair sort of disappeared. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it disappeared. And then all the little things that he had to do to do all the other things that we did, drive a car, you know, swim. I remember the first time he invited me to go swimming in his house and I went, what? I remember that. I do remember thinking, what are we going to do? He isn't going to swim. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. And after I went swimming in his house a few times, that disappeared too. I just, he had to do things in a different way. His apartment had lower you know, cabinets and there were just things in there. And even as a friend, you begin to morph with them the more time you spend around with them. Right. I got to where I was like, Oh, I, he got in his car and put his chair in the back of the car. And it wasn't like, I felt like a helper. Does that make sense? Like all those little identities and stuff just melt away and you just, become yeah. part of their life. He becomes your friend. Yeah, becomes your, he's your, not he's your just friend your in a wheelchair. He's That's your right. friend. I mean, I can't hear in my left ear, but I got about 90%, 95% hearing loss. Well, my whole family, when we go out to dinner, they all sit in particular places because they know dad is not going to be able to hear us if we don't sit right here. Well, they're doing the same thing, right? I mean, right. they're they're going, they're not sitting there going, oh, poor, you know, poor, poor disabled dad. Yeah. No, you they're know, making accommodations. Make sure daddy gets to sit here. They're just flowing yeah. with you because yeah. it's just life. Do. And yeah. that's what we want people to understand that it's just life. Some of us live it differently. Some of us need accommodations. Used to have a friend um, who's an attorney who had polio as a child. Mm-hmm. And he said he would do um, disability awareness type uh, workshops. And he would tell everybody, you know, that chair you're sitting in, that's an accommodation. Mm. You might, if you didn't have that, you'd have to stand up. You might get tired standing up. He says, my, he used canes. My canes are an accommodation. My wheelchair is an accommodation. It helps me to be able to do things everybody else does. Sure. It doesn't make me Superman. It doesn't make me any better than anybody else. It doesn't make me want to be put on a pedestal. Because that's one thing that people with disabilities don't want to be. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm losing it. No, but I know what you're going you know, for. You don't want to. You don't want to put them in a glass jar and say, "Oh, I'm special. Not Treat so much, me differently." Not so much that, but there's a whole lot of. You see, and I'm probably getting into the weeds and getting into some different territory for some people, but there's some people with disabilities that don't appreciate the pod, not podcast, the videos that you see of a pretty young girl asking the boy with a disability to the prom. Oh, I get it. Yeah. It, it's sort of, um, it's a little condescending like, look at me. almost. Yeah, it's and, like, and I think it's wonderful that people are included and yeah. I think it's great. It's when we cross that line and make that how we treat people with disabilities. I think that's oh. what I liked about, um, and it wasn't just disabilities, but there, we really loved the show Glee. When uh-huh. it was on TV, and yeah. I like the way they handled a lot of things on that show. It was like, it wasn't like a lot of people felt like, oh, they're trying to put things in your face. I've heard those sentiments, mm-hmm. and I went, well, I don't see it that way. I just saw it as like, hey, these are this is the people you're going to encounter out in the world, and they're all together in one space, right? And that's just okay, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just okay that we're all together, and it should be that way. And we all figure out where we belong and how we fit in. And yeah. sometimes you have to make, sometimes you have to help your friend put his wheelchair in the yeah. back of the, the trunk. Right. Sometimes you have to c- 
cut somebody's sandwich in half like I did yesterday because right. somebody needed some assistance. And yeah. they said, I need this cut in half. I said, hang on. So I went and got stuff, cut it in half for her. Then she was able to be, to eat. I mean, it was just awkward for her. So she needed help. She asked for it. I gave it to her. No big deal. Right. But what, I do see that, though, out there. The, it seems like I do see a sentiments like that out in the world where it's like, almost a resistance in some places to do anything special and it's like hey look you just need to get along you just need to flow in with everybody and go with the herd and and don't complain uh and it's an attitude of non-help it's an attitude of conformity they'd rather you conform than to just seek than to be helped and i and i don't like that actually i think you know yeah maybe to some degree we all kind of have to work together but there are circumstances it's not just black and white sometimes people have things where in their life where they just need some help and what's wrong with giving that help nothing i I don't i don't i I have a real hard time with black and white well sure i don't encounter it a whole lot yeah you know just uh, there's a lot of gray out there and we have to make the gray work for everybody yeah yeah Man, this has really, really been pretty informative. I really, honestly, didn't f- have a full grasp of what y'all do. Yeah, and I'm not sure I said I've said everything that we do do, but well, no, but I mean, I, it I gives you people. A, yeah, yeah. I, I hope somebody who hears this our conversation. I really do hope that they they are like me, and honestly, if they're living out here in sort of ignorance, which I mean, I hate to use that word, but that's the truth. I just didn't know. It's not ignorance. It's when when Justin was born. In 87, there was my neighbor worked for something, the early intervention program that I talked about earlier. It was called Skylark. It was where they would go into the homes and visit with kids that had been born early or had a disability. And they would work with you to do different things to help them catch up. And we had that service for Justin after he came home. Well, Emma worked there. I didn't even know she worked there. And she came and talked to me about it. And then she said something about Skylark. And I remembered that I had seen a commercial with these cute little babies. One of them happened to have Down syndrome. And the other one had some other kind of disability. And it was about Skylark early intervention. And But because I didn't need that at the time, because I had a typical seven-year-old that was just going, you know, second grade, doing whatever. And... Um, I, I just it just clicked into my head and I thought oh that's what that was about mm. so a lot of times people don't pay attention to us not because they don't want to pay attention but because they don't need us yeah so but we want that to be in the back of your mind kind of like that commercial was for me and if you see somebody that has a child with a disability that might need some help tell them to call us yeah I mean Worst case, well, not worst case scenario. A lot of times, people just call us and say, "Hey, I have a son. He has a disability. He has learning disabilities in uh, um, resource class at school or whatever. What do y'all do?" So we tell them, "Hey, we provide information, referral. We do trainings. Why don't you let us put on, put you on our mailing list? Go like our Facebook page." And we'll send you lots of emails about all the stuff that we got going on. Yeah. We'll send you a newsletter, and maybe that's all they ever need. Yeah. They may not need anything else. Well, I mean, that's kind of what I've experienced with this show. And I'm so glad you agreed to come in because it just it adds further uh, density to what I know now. Because, you know, I find that every episode that I've had, everybody I've gotten to encounter, I've learned something new. Some people I've known already, but there's things I didn't know about what they offered to their organization or their group or even just in their lives, their Mm -hmm. history. And so what's happened is as I'm encountering new people and i see a need what i can point them to 
gets greater and greater, right? Yeah. I can go, oh, well, I talked to this person. I talked to that person. Here's their organization. Here's what they offer. You should contact them. And in a way, we can all kind of be like you guys and, and become a hub for right. a person if we just allow yeah. ourselves to learn about what's good going on in our a community. Helper, yeah, a, a resource helper. person, uh, you know, the go-to guy. Yeah. You know, I'll call him. He knows, he knows, he'll know where to tell me to go. That's one of my favorite, uh, the word helper. I love it because it's in this um, Buddhist prayer from, you know, Shantideva. And one of the lines is, may I be a helper for those without one, a guide for all travelers on the way. And it's just, that's just a little small little portion. But I always, that one, that one line always kicks into my head, especially when I get a ping where I sense that somebody needs something and I'm in a position to to do it mm-hmm. you know just immediately and it's not always something i can plan ahead for sometimes it just happens out in the world but at that line can i be a helper for those without one because that's sometimes is all that's all you need to do you know and most of that time that help it starts with just listening to people you know i'm sure y'all do and, a lot of and that that's what i hope to do and hope to give back because i had Kay, who was a helper when i needed it I didn't have anyone that understood what I was going through. I was mm-hmm. like, I, I went, I had had a baby and I went to the grocery store without the baby and I went everywhere without the baby and they all wondered where was the baby. So you had to go through the whole thing and tell them the whole story. But Kay was the person I didn't have to explain anything to. When Justin was extubated, he was on a ventilator for the first seven weeks. When Justin was extubated, I called her before I called my now ex-husband. Um, because she understood. Yeah. Now, then I called him next, of course. But she understood what it was like. She knew the joy, the what, I, how excited I was mm. because of that one simple thing. He could breathe with oxygen rather than having a tube down his throat. Yeah. I mean, it was exciting. If you sit and, I mean, that that is a beautiful thing. How consoling is that? I mean, if you sit and listen to somebody just long enough, an hour, mm-hmm. and 30 minutes, and give them an opportunity to to talk to you about whatever is going on in their life, you may not really be able to help them with, you know, 30 things that they mention. But if you listen to them long enough, I bet you might hear three. Mm-hmm. And if you can help them with those three, then they're on their way. Right. I mean, that's, that's, right. that's it. I mean, and some of that's just having an open heart and just being willing to be present and not be blow right by. Right. You know? And to give back to what I was been, I had been given. Yeah, that's the best feeling. I know. I, I listen. I'm difference. looking at you as you say that. I mean, that is just an incredible thing to see how you've taken that gift that you were given, and and, and now that's what you do. You give that gift and away. What an incredible feeling and an opportunity. I mean, I'm so happy and blessed, and I don't say that lightly. To be able to do this. I mean, I get up in the morning and want to go to work I, because, you know, there might be something new. I'm going to talk to a new person. I'm going to find a new resource. We're going to mm. have a different workshop. We're going to encounter someone else, you know, help somebody through something. Yeah. So yeah. it's not like I'm, you know, it's yeah. not like a job. I always say this is a mission. It's not a job. Yeah. And I'm lucky to have been able to do this for 27 years with not a whole heck of a lot of training in the back. I mean, you know, from the beginning. So I just have been on the, all the on the job training in the world. Yeah. So I'm, I'm extremely lucky. 
I love that. I love that it's just what you said. I mean, this is, doesn't feel like it's a job. It's a mission. Yeah. I yeah. really like that. And I that. get to do it every day. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm happy. I know it. This episode's Fishing for Goodies Fishbowl sponsor is Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center in Sulphur, Louisiana. I don't know what you look for when you travel, but one of the things I look for when I'm putting together my itinerary is a unique museum or gallery in the city I'm traveling to. I do this almost every time I go to a new city, but if I'm being honest, I'm guilty of not always doing that very thing right here at home in Sulphur, Louisiana. That's really a shame because we have one of the most interesting, historically relevant, and culturally rich corners in any city in the country about two minutes from where I'm sitting right now. I'm talking about the Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center. Have you ever really thought about why our city is named Sulphur? They've got a permanent exhibit on the history of the sulphur industry that answers that simple question and more. You really get a full scope of just how important the sulphur mining industry was to the development of Southwest Louisiana and the impact it had on the rest of the world. Yes, the rest of the world. On the same property, right next door to the museum, is the Henning Cultural Center, presenting some of the most interesting, modern, and culturally relevant local art shows I've ever seen. My dear friend Tom Trahan and the Brimstone Historical Society have really worked hard to give us this treasure, and it's a multifaceted jewel that I plan to take advantage of more often. You don't have to wonder what their hours are, or how to get there, or what shows are coming up. Just go to brimstonemuseum.org, like I did, and subscribe to their mailing list right there on the homepage. That's brimstonemuseum.org. Tom will make sure you start getting the announcements for each and every new show at the gallery. But you don't have to wait for the mail to arrive to enjoy this historical local treasure. You don't have to be guilty, like me, of overlooking a local wonder that conveniently sits next to the Grove, one of the most beautiful walking parks in southwest Louisiana. Drop in and say hi to Tom for me. Tour the museum and center, and make sure to tell Tom that you heard about Brimstone Museum on Find the Good News. Now, let's take that dive in the fishbowl. I don't know if you've listened to this show. Have you listened to it? I have listened to a couple. So do you know about the fishbowl? No. Okay. Okay. Maybe I didn't listen to the end. Uh, there was one that I didn't go all the way to. The, both of them didn't go all the way to. Uh, well, it's a long that. show. That's a long yeah. show. <laughs> it was. The t- it was yeah, you really. and Tony. Oh, and that's a pretty long episode. That yeah. was, that's actually our that was uh, awesome. most listened to episode. That was an awesome. Is that? Do you know Tony well? Yeah, we we attend Waters. Oh, Edge. you do. Okay, so uh, many people have been him, on here no. attend Waters Edge. Yes, it's the best place ever. The most inclusive. I mean, you talk about inclusion. Yeah, it's inclusive. That's what I. That's what exactly what I sense from them, and that episode and has generated welcoming. so much conversation and so many. I mean, every week when I look at our stats, it's downloaded week after week after week, and I just, as the years go by, if we're lucky enough to continue doing the show, that I just don't see that changing. Yeah, it's because the message is uh, something people need to hear. Yes. Well, on Tony's episode, I don't think we had this. Um, but the fishbowl is basically questions that other guests have put in and guests, questions that I have put in and some cards and gaming okay. cards and things like that. So what each guest does is they reach in and draw one out mm-hmm. and then we talk about it. Oh, okay. So there's some slips of paper in there that feel like fortune cookies. Those are some of the ones the guests have put in. There's the cards are in there and then there's some big cards that are would you rather questions. Let's <laughs> see. Okay. 
so I have to put my glasses on to see this. Where are you currently saying yes in your life when you really should say no? Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> that's a pretty hard question. Wow, that's a hard one. Yeah. I say yes a lot. I do too. <laughs> so yes, I don't say no. I am learning to, that I I'm have learned, to. Yes, I, I have learned. That is one thing I've learned over the 27 years is some limits and boundaries to say, be able to say, no, I can't do that. Too. Yeah. Two. Yeah. You, you, that, I can't do that's, that too. Well, that's a good way to put that. I guess I haven't framed it that way. I, I do. I guess I feel guilty sometimes for saying no because two things, because I'll, I know in a small, we're still in a kind of small community, you mm -hmm. know, this area, people know each other really well. And so on one hand, people will look to the left and say, Hey, you did this. So I want to bring you in to do this too. And for all intents and purposes, it's the same, but I've had this theory about it for a while. And it's finally just said, I got to stop because I said, I, two things can't exist in the same space and it isn't. You know, there's only so much space within a container, and I either need another container or I can't do the thing. And a lot of times, what I was trying to do is go, Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. And I just, you know, they just can't exist in the same space. And it's either get a bigger container, I'm not so sure I want a bigger container. You know, I don't want to just keep getting bigger. Why not? You know, it's unmade. I don't like to do things halfway. And I find that if I take on too many things, that's what has to happen because I don't have time to do everything. Yeah. So as I've gotten older, I've decided that, you know, somebody else that's better at it can do it, maybe. And now if it's something only I can do, I'm probably going to do it. But I did. It says, what? where are you currently saying yes in your life when you really should say no? I would have to say I'm like a social media um, aholic. Hmm. Probably because I do all the social media yeah. for families helping families and i have another venture that i'm doing social media for yeah and i saw there's the something on abc tomorrow night called screen time mm. talking about how much screen time so i'm gonna watch that and see if i can't put it down or yeah. make some time away yeah i i don't know if i'd say i'm an aholic i actually got off three years ago mm. i got completely off wow. except i did have to keep my i had to kept, i kept the accounts yeah you have to because i we do social media for clients so i had to still manage their social media but for that that period of time um the only person i was connected to is my mother that was it that was my only one social because she stayed on social media and i still wanted that line in to be able to see what she was posting that was why i got on social media it was for, my, for to follow my kids <laughs> right <laughs> see what they were doing and so i guess i say all that to mean that coming back into it though i was way more conscious than before because before it was Oh, everybody's doing this. This is sort of a new thing. And it was kind of, to be honest, it was a little fun at yeah, first. But then something turned sour with it for me. I don't know what happened, but it went to seed pretty bad. And I said, okay, I'm just got to pull out of this. Coming back in with intent was totally different. And it's like, yeah, I think we were talking about this off pod. I, I started having all uh, conscious thoughts about mm -hmm. it. And I said, well, maybe instead of just being a victim of social media, I can be um a signal inside of it right and mm -hmm. so what's my signal 
what's my signal versus That's noise good. ratio? And so then it was different. I just wasn't consuming it as much. Right. But now I do. I consume it, and I don't feel guilty about it because I've now tuned the dial to go, hey, I like this I like what this person's saying, even if it's in opposition, or even if we don't agree. Sometimes yeah. I listen. I was talking about this with another guest. I listen to, I'd say I have liberal leanings more than I would say conservative leanings. Mm -hmm. I don't really even like the words because sometimes I find I'm really, I'm really conservative about something, or whatever it may be, but it might be that one thing. But I'll go listen to a, someone in a hyper-conservative camp that's not really venomous. They just have real conservative views because I like to hear what they have to say. And every once in a while, I'll go, hey, I they presented information I didn't have. So I'll go research information and go, hmm, I'm, I won't say I'm in 100% alignment, but I might actually kind of adopt that because I agree with parts of what they're saying. What I find on social media though now is just very polarized. You know, yeah. it's either one or the other, and I'm just not that way. I just go, look, I, I have to apply it. I want to test it. I think even Buddha said that it was, put it to the test, boil it. You know, see what impurities pour out and if there's actually gold in it. You know, so I guess that's how. That's a really long answer, but yeah, that's I like. I think there's gold in social media. I think there is some. I think you have to work hard to mm. mine it. Yeah. Sometimes, and I think that's what I need to work <laughs> yeah, on mining that gold right. a little bit better. Yeah. But I, I have found some tools that will, because I do a lot of posting for work. Yeah. So I have found some tools that help me post when I don't, so I don't have to do it. Yeah. Actually, it, it schedules the posts. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That yeah. helps take a that lot helps. of the pressure. So off. yeah. So yeah. you can do other stuff. I had a really kind of a, a side effect blessing. One of my clients is in the medical field, and. um I do their social media. So I do all the research about what they're going to put out there, all the information and yeah. everything. You know, they don't have time to do it. That's what they've sure. hired us to do. Yeah. And on one hand, I'm not a super big fan of that. I like that voice inside of a brand. I like to know that there's an actual person behind it and who I'm kind of interacting with. But on this one, the side effect for me was in having to do that research week after week, I'm exposed to tons of health information, you know, um, exercise diet and so after all these this year or two of doing this i can honestly say i've you know added so many things it's like helped me learn to form new habits i'm not saying i'm done mm -hmm. but every time i get new information i'm like hey you know i could do this i i sh i'm i'm in the category i'm in the audience so it's been kind of a side effect in a way i That's guess a good side so, effect. yeah Sometimes I guess uh, for a long time I could think I was just I got jaded against it. I just mm -hmm. needed to change a channel. Yeah, there <laughs> I think you go. That's all I need to do. There you go. Yeah. Well, let's dig in the bowl again. I gotta do it again. We gotta do it again three oh times. My gosh, well, no. that's just wrong. Let's see. I put on my glasses again. I took them off. I keep getting the same kind of cards. Which character from a book or movie would you most like to meet and why? Hmm. Oh, wow. Hmm. Fictional? It doesn't matter, I don't think. Can... You want... This is funny. People are going to laugh at me. Rick from The Walking Dead. <laughs> really? Why? I just think he's... I just like Rick. I like his character. I like that... I love the Rick Tatorship. Oh, Any yeah. Any of the Walking Dead fans will know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> he's a strong character. He's, he's 
I mean, he has to do all kinds of stuff he doesn't want to do. He hates it. Mm. He's not that kind of person, but he just does it. Interesting. So that does, do you find an appeal to that? Somebody that just says, "Look, I don't want to do have to do this, but I'm going to do it." I have to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm not. I, I'd like to be more like that. I think. I don't know that I am. But. Sometimes it's nice to have a figure in life around you that is like that, where because you can take it off. I know for me. I've had no, not Rick, but I mean, you you're in that role sometimes too, where I'm sure you have to make decisions mm. that you go, huh? I got to do what's best. That's right. Even and and I got even though kinda, I don't necessarily agree with it, maybe. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. So that's a difficult position and the stress that comes with it, because if you're really worrying about everybody involved in a situation. That's tough. Mm-hmm. And like Rick's character. And I just want to hear him say, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All you walking dead people know what I'm talking about. That's funny. No, that's a good answer. I mean, I mean. really? I could have said Jesus. Have you read the comic books? Rick. No. You would actually probably enjoy them. They're really good. My I, son tells me all about them. He hasn't he? read them, but he like he's like a YouTube nut. Uh-huh. And he watches all these different YouTube videos about like stuff like that uh-huh. where they predict you know, oh like who's gonna yes, yeah like yes gonna and he, so he knows about him but i don't believe he's read him but i somebody else asked me that i might have to you probably would if, if you do like rick the comic book version of rick is um similar i mean i would say they're they're close i mean they're the same character but they're definitely you get a I actually that's he he was why I read the books the character in the comic okay, i was like man he is i was the same thing i was like how much can one, one person, person take, take is what I kept going. <laughs> yep. This character keeps going through some of the worst things and still has to, you know, lead. Yeah. And what I love in the books is the because he, he crashes and burns a lot of times and he got to rebuild himself That's back right. up and take over. Yeah, I thought I find a lot of interest in that too. And yeah. then I guess Negan would be the next one. He, That's I'd another interesting <laughs> character. Yeah. Sorry. All right, third one. Guiding principle for your life and career. Oh, that's so easy. Awesome. That easy question. <laughs> uh, there's no separate Walmarts. There's Everybody, no separate there's Walmart. no separate Walmarts. Everybody with a disability, without a disability, we all shop in the same place. We all have to learn how to live together, and whether or not you watch the people of Walmart or not is, you know, I mean, we just people with disabilities we all live in the same community there should not be any separate places man that is interesting i am that's gonna be i'm gonna take that away from this conversation (laughs) when you said that i went oh my gosh yes i love that there's no separate walmart yeah we've been saying that for years years and years yeah because that's where everybody goes everybody goes to walmart everybody eventually goes there and there's no separate one for anybody that's right we all have to learn how to get along together live together help each other lift up the wheelchair put it in the back seat cut the sandwich if you need to step out of the way you Mm -hmm. know give somebody 50 cents if they need it pay for their coffee something you know yeah. help each other yeah i think i i like that because i'm it just makes me think of survival of the fittest you know sometimes i think when we look at nature and we see animals and we go oh it's survival of the fittest you know nature's red and tooth and claw and i and, I, and we adopt that and apply it to human beings I don't know. I go, no. well, aren't, shouldn't we? I mean, we have so many gifts. We have all these abilities, and we're such a <laughs> different type of animal. Why do we have to do that? You know, and why should? And we? why should we? You know, if a, if an apple's too high and I'm the tallest animal, I mean, golly, you know, yeah, I could say that's mine, survival of the fittest, or I could go, hey man, here you go. 
You yeah, because there's one. another one up there you can get. That's right. That's right. Everybody you know, so can why share. not? But I don't know. I don't know what where that comes from because I I do see that sentiment out in the world. I don't like oh, to yeah. focus on it, but it's out there for sure. It's like, hey. But we have such it's, such wonderful technology now. People that use ventilators every day and they live their lives, and people that use assistive technology to speak, mm-hmm. to walk, to do everything. I mean, why not? Yeah. What's hard about it? It's not. Yeah. I mean, it may be hard to get sometimes, and we can, you know, we might have to work to get that done, but it's not, it shouldn't be hard. Yeah, but I think overall, what what is, there's, what's hard about just taking an attitude of just saying, I'm just going to be helpful, you know? Right. I think there's a fear, and I, again, I don't know. I'm just basing this on what I'm, what I think. And who the heck am I? I don't know. I mean... <laughs> I just think sometimes there's a fear that if you help, okay, it, let's say somebody needs help and 20 people have passed them by and they haven't gotten any help and then you say, hey, I'm going to help. There's a fear that if you decide to help, then you got to go, then you're going all in and you may not have that capacity, right? You can help in that moment, but somebody might need a lot more help and it's like, oh, if I'm in, then I'm committing myself. And so instead of doing the active the action of help, it's like ah, I'm just not doing anything. I'm gonna keep going, and somebody else can do that. And I think, and I might be wrong, but I do think that's probably out there. There's probably a fear like that. Sure. You know, it's like ah, I don't know. I should. I don't need to. I don't need to get into that. And and maybe we could take the direction of let's help and let's figure out who else can help you too, and let's figure out how to get you to help yourself. Yeah. To teach you how to do that because in the future you might need that help again and we want you to know, be able to know where to go and what to do. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm connected through this show. Uh, I'm connected to so many people now that are doing that type of thing. Look, what I tell you, fire trucks and stuff. <laughs> there's not an episode that doesn't have a fire truck. It's not find the good news if they're, <laughs> the sulfur fire department isn't represented in the audio. Um, but no, that that's true. I mean, everybody who's been on the show seems to have that attitude of working together. Oh, we're getting the horns today. Yay! Getting the horns. They're just they're just glad you're so. here. Yeah. Well, it's raining too. I thought maybe. <laughs> Where's the ticker tape? <laughs> right. Where's the blade? What's next? No, but um, the people that have come on the show seem to all sort of have that attitude of pooling people together and saying, "Hey, I don't. I'm, I'm whoever the individual may be. They may be the rallying point, and they're going to take an action. But they're very good about pulling other people in and right. going, "Hey, can somebody help? Can somebody do? Because you can't do it all yourself. Yeah. Well, yeah. Everybody. That's what, and we're all we could all work together though yeah to get it done right well, better that's together better together mm-hmm. that's wonderful so how do people get in touch with you and families helping families if they've heard this podcast and they go hey i i'm interested i, I think i can you can find us on facebook look for families helping families of southwest southwest louisiana you can call 337-436-2570 you can email at info at fhfswla.org you can show up on our doorstep we're usually open nine to four is our nine to four are our posted hours but You'll, lots of times you're going to find somebody there before or after. 2927 Hodges in Lake Charles, kind of midtown, not downtown, middle between Alamo and Prion Lake Road. Um, 
call us. We'll see what we can do and help you figure out where you are and what you might need and what what resources are out there and listen to you and support you as much as we can. That's what it's all about, being a helper. Yeah. Yeah. We're helpers. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. I enjoy Thanks for listening to this episode of Find the Good News. If you would like to advertise on this show or sponsor an episode, just visit findthegood.news. Send me a message and we'll see about getting your business, organization, service, product, or event on the show. I deeply thank each of you again for supporting this podcast.